Hi, and welcome to Soul Powerful Parables, stories of rhyme, reason, and God's truth. I'm your host, Dana Buck. Thanks for listening. And if you like the story, please consider subscribing and give us a five-star rating where you enjoy your podcasts. It really helps us. We'd also love to hear from you, so contact us on Facebook at Soul Powerful Parables. Now, settle in, and let's have a story. Yankees, a so powerful parable by Dana Buck. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Jeremiah 29, verse 13. We all seek significant success and fulfillment, but in that pursuit, it's possible to lose appreciation for the quietly significant people who've touched our lives along the way. Yankees, a soul-powerful parable by Dana Buck. Once there was a man named Al, his last name being Rourke, who lived now in Chicago, but had grown up in New York. Al had all the trappings of a good, successful life. From without, you'd never know that there within seethed doubt and strife. For after working to the top seemed life had lost its traction, and all the things he did or bought just brought dissatisfaction. So, one day in desperation and to curb this moral cancer, Al battened down his businesses and went searching for the answers. Consulting gurus, priests, and seers, the dull and the terrific, he bought some crystals, chewed some herbs, and studied hieroglyphics. Al journeyed round and round the world from Iceland to Iraq, read Encyclopedia Britannica three times from front to back. He dabbled in the art of transcendental meditation and then became a vegan, eating only vegetation. Yet discipline and dieting, meditation, chant, and travel could not placate his search for truth, his questions soon unravel. Such as, are there cosmic forces deemed to capture and usurp us? What's life's real meaning? What's its logic? What's its purpose? And as these thoughts moved through his mind like a wild, elusive dancer, he knew despite his search for truth, he hadn't found the answer. When Al was just a youngster, life was not so complicated. It was only after growing up he felt so tense and waited. Al longed for that simplicity. Come home from school at three, and after homework, dinner, chores, watch baseball on TV. He'd rooted for the Yankees. Other teams were pure sedition. He loved their winning swagger and their storied grand tradition. He'd known each stat and player, and had autographs from some. Collecting all their baseball cards, he chewed a lot of gum. And as to which team won or lost, he never had a doubt. There always were nine innings and three strikes. Well, you were out. 
Life should be straightforward, simple as a Yankees game, instead of competition for success, contentment, fame. In the depths of his frustration, he postponed his noble aim and wandered to a tavern for a beer and baseball game. He told the barkeep, line him up, cause this is where I'll be. If truth can't come by seeking, I'll just sit till truth finds me. So, on that bar stool, day by day, he sat and sipped his brew and took in baseball, game by game, just as he said he'd do. He watched the White Sox play as Yanks and cheered from where he sat, then saw the Giants beat the Cubs, home run, their last at bat. The Rangers topped the Astros while the Angels dropped the A's, then Pittsburgh took a doubleheader from the Tampa Rays. When Boston played the Indians, the game at Fenway Park, he sat there eating peanuts without comment or remark. One day it was the Phillies, and the next the Braves and Twins, an endless count of innings, strikeouts, runs, defeats, and wins. He watched the season crawling like a slow, relentless crab. Seemed the only thing he'd gained was an impressive barroom tab. One night, it was a Thursday, when the Padres beat the Mets, he sighed and then remarked, This is as dismal as it gets. I've hung around this tavern next to barflies, tramps, and codgers, watched the Diamondbacks, the Brewers, Tigers, Cards, Red Sox, and Dodgers. Tomorrow, it's the Mariners, the Marlins, then the Rockies. And when the season's over, is it football, golf, and hockey? An overwhelming tiredness engulfed him from afar. So he pushed aside his glass, folded his arms upon the bar. And with the post-game chatter coming from the TV set, he closed his weary, troubled eyes, laid down his head, and slept. How long he'd slumbered on the bar, he really couldn't say. It could have been a minute or an hour or all day. What caused his eyes to open was the sound of many voices, laughing, loudly talking, shouting out their beverage choices. Al slowly raised his head and stretched a kink out of his neck, then looked around the room to see by whom his sleep was wrecked. He gazed across the bar and fought to shake off his fatigue. Hmm, this place is full of baseball guys, some local team or league. A swarthy man walked to the bar, big nose and bigger ears. He asked Al, how you doing? And he ordered up some beers. The boys are kind of noisy and I'm sorry about the racket. He deftly tipped his cap and then took off his baseball jacket. His uniform was woolen, white with narrow stripes of black, and Al could see the number eight displayed upon his back. Then far across the bar, a handsome player with a stogie stood and shouted above the din, Hey, hurry up there, Yogi. Keep your pants on, Mickey, he replied at once to him. With foaming mugs in both his fists, he turned to Al and grinned. 
And as he walked on to his mates, Al sensed a different era. He bolted off his stool and cried, My gosh, that's Yogi Berra. Al stood and watched, astonished, as the mugs that had been poured were passed to Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris, Whitey Ford, Elston Howard, Thurman Munson had a glass to claim, as Don Larson told Lou Gehrig all about his perfect game. DiMaggio sat smiling at a table sipping vino as he listened to tall stories loudly told by the Bambino. As Al just stared in wonder at Babe Ruth and Jolton Joe, it dawned on him the room was filled with Yanks from long ago. Allie Reynolds leaned in close to speak with Charlie Keller, weighing who was faster, Dizzy Dean or Bobby Feller. Bill Dickey, Casey Stingle, Billy Martin, and Hank Bauer discussed the art of hitting more for average than for power. Al quickly shook his head, and then he tightly shut his eyes, sucked his breath, and wiped his sweaty palms upon his thighs. And when he looked again, you could have felled him with a clover. For there, across the barroom, Mickey Mantle waved him over. All heads were turned as players simply sat and looked his way. Al's legs felt just like rubber and his feet like melting clay. Then Maris scooted to his left as far as he was able, while Yogi grabbed an empty chair and moved it to their table. So Al, who felt lightheaded, moved to join them from the bar as Mickey Mantle gestured towards the chair with his cigar. Al stuttered, I don't want to crash your party or intrude. Then Mantle said, that's funny, Al. We're gathered here for you. For me? Al questioned, puzzled. You guys know me? Know my name? I've followed all your exploits, watched so many of your games. But, he said and swallowed hard, his hand went to his head. You're all, how do I put this? You're all, well, you all are dead. They grinned as Billy Martin took a drink and dryly said, a half a dozen times Steinbrenner raised me from the dead. That brought a rowdy laugh and cheer from all the Yankee guys. Smiling, Gehrig shook his head. Babe Ruth just rolled his eyes. Out of nowhere, Whitey Ford then flicked a bottle cap. It sailed across the table, landing squarely in Al's lap. You doubt we're really here, said Ford. Now that's a funny notion, for we're as real as your lost dreams, your thoughts, and your emotions. Al firmly held the bottle cap and felt this scene confound him. These couldn't be the Yanks, yet here they were, spread all around him. You need to understand, said Ford, we came here to impart the wisdom you've neglected in your head and in your heart. Life and how it's lived, is that your number one concern? If so, looks like you've missed some lessons that you could have learned. You worked at seeking truth and put your search into suspension when truth is all around you, if you'd only pay attention. You think you know the Yankees from our games and our at-bats? We're really so much more than 
just our average and our stats. You want to learn of courage, what makes a hero or a coward? No need to book a flight. Just take one look at Elston Howard. He played his whole career with only fortitude and grace. Did not return the hatred some expressed due to his race. There's courage when the breaks you get seem so unfair and grim. Lou Gehrig saw their eyes had turned in deference to him. The Iron Horse just shrugged and Al could sense their deep respect. John Larson said, Amen, and put his arm around Gehrig's neck. Al glanced at Thurman Munson, felt emotions start to rise. I remember when we lost you, and the catcher raised his eyes. I was only eight or nine, but oh, it hit me like a dart. We not only lost our captain, seemed we'd also lost our heart. That big Yankee talked so little, and that had always been his way. But he looked at Al and said, that's very kind of you to say. Talk of kindness, said Bill Dickey, as he looked at Ruth, who smiled and raised his half-gone glass of gin and sweet vermouth. Babe always loved the children, Bill continued with a laugh. No kid was ever left without kind words or autograph. I seen him stand for hours, past the game with girls and boys, talking to the kids. It's what this big lug most enjoys. I was raised an orphan, said the babe. I felt a zero. I tried to just remember the importance of a hero. The talk went on and on like this, and Al became inspired. Each man acclaimed the character and traits they most admired. Bill Dickey was dependable. Upright, described Hank Bauer. Yogi, optimistic, never negative or sour. Mantle was a leader. Martin, feisty and contentious. Roger Maris, Elston Howard, humble, unpretentious. Red Ruffing was tenacious, while Lou Gehrig never crass. And DiMaggio did everything with graciousness and class. Each Yankee Al could see, despite their weaknesses or faults, brought something to admire, imitate, esteem, exalt. Al came to realize why these ballplayers made this trip, to show the value one can glean from all relationships, that life was opportunity to grow and learn and change, and the more you fully live it, that's how knowledge, truth are gained. This recognition settled through a nod from Whitey Ford, and Mantle said, well done, no affirmation was ignored. Mick took a swallow of his beer, a drag on his cigar, and said, Now think about the ones more dear to you by far. We're only baseball players, just some old and ancient Yanks. But you have others in your life deserving of your thanks. Al thought about his family, of his sisters and his brother but found his deepest feelings were directed towards his mother. She'd worked to raise her kids without a husband's help, for he had sickened and had died when Al was only two or three. 
She had labored every day without a break or a vacation, keeping food upon the table as she saved for education. Mom had followed Jesus, had encouraged Al to know him. Love was in her words and every gesture that she showed him. But as he grew from boyhood, as young people sometimes do, Al drifted from his mother and discounted what she knew. He settled in a place where faith and trust were in himself, and happiness was sought in reputation, job, wealth. Reclining in his chair and now confronted with this truth, he sat beneath the gaze of Garrick, Mantle, Ford, and Ruth. In the midst of his discomfort, Yogi touched him on the arm and spoke to him in words that were both comforting and warm. The man upstairs will lead you. All you have to do is follow. There's much prepared for you, but also pride for you to swallow. I think you've got some work to do to set some things to right. Like maybe call your ma and let her know that you're all right. Remember, it's the little things that make you who you are. That's right, said Mickey Mantle as he stubbed out his cigar. Our work is done here, boys. The Yankee stood and looked at Al. Yogi shook his hand and said, Good luck now to you, pal. Al suddenly felt tired. Couldn't help but close his eyes. And the last thing that he saw were smiles on all the Yankee guys. He only closed them for a second. When he opened them again, he was back upon his bar stool with his hands beneath his chin. He gazed around the room and saw no uniforms of white, no caps or gloves or cleats, and not a pinstripe was in sight. He scanned the empty bar room by the TV's muted gleaming and shook his head and said, Oh, man, talk about your dreaming. Yet, in the midst of waking, all his feelings were intact. The words shared by the Yankees felt so real, matter of fact. He chuckled at himself and at his wild imagination, yet couldn't shake a sense of really deep appreciation. As his startled apprehension settled to a peaceful calm, he was strongly overcome by a desire to call his mom. So he reached into his pocket where he knew he'd left his phone. What he lifted out instead brought his entire journey home. For there within his hand, just like a compass to a map, he stared in smiling wonder at a dented bottle cap. With that talisman in one hand and his phone held in the other, he whispered, thanks you guys, said a prayer and called his mother. Most of us will never be visited by a room full of our childhood heroes. But in our busy world, how many of us need a reminder to see the presence of God's truth in the things and relationships around us? God is constantly speaking. We don't need to go to exotic places or take extreme measures to find Him. Sometimes we just need to be quiet 
and listen. Sometimes we need to hear His voice through the words of another. Let's make it a habit to ask God to reveal Himself through the simple things. And more importantly, ask Him to give us hearts and minds that are able to see His works and hear His voice. Often in Scripture, God's wisdom is offered to those with eyes to see and ears to hear. What a great starting place to ask for those eyes and ears. There are some prayers that God will always answer yes. All we have to do is ask. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Yankees was written and narrated by Dana Buck. Devotional thoughts were narrated by Kim Pratt. And this episode was produced by Beneath Blue Skies Productions. So Powerful Parables is a ministry of So Powerful, a nonprofit organization dedicated to empowering women and girls and combating extreme poverty in the African country of Zambia. To find out more, visit our website at sopowerful.org. Also, check out our books, So Powerful Parables and We Are So Powerful, both available on Amazon. All proceeds from the sale of these books go to support the work of our ministry. And finally, check out our other podcast, The So Powerful Podcast, featuring interviews with those who have been touched by this special organization. Until next time, May your life always be filled with beautiful rhymes.